What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The horn is everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a self-esteem place so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let play against them. And make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, we battled Mississippi State on Saturday, and you were thinking a blowout. I was thinking a close game. Doesn't it somehow feel like we're both right? I definitely do not feel like I was right, man. It it didn't feel like a blowout. Uh, We were fortunate the score turned out the way it did. Um, Very – just wasn't happy with the was not happy with the overall performance. Um, it was not the uh, performance I expected for the score to uh, to be what it was. No, it was a lot of uh, really big plays. You know, we scored uh, four touchdowns, all you know, sixty plus yards, and then it was a lot of blah on offense. And you know, the same could be said on defense too. We gave up a lot on defense. Uh, you know, in, in in terms of between the 20s, Mississippi State couldn't capitalize. And we had a lot of big plays on defense, you know, an interception, uh, you know, some forced fumbles and, um, uh, of course, a boatload of sacks. And so it just felt like, you know, we rose to the occasion. The tide rose to the occasion. But in a blah game, and, and look, you can take this two ways. You can say, oh, look how close Alabama was to really struggling and not winning. Or – you can say, look how dominating they were kind of able to look in a game that was kind of blah. Yeah, we, we talked in last week's show about the 45 plays of, all, uh, of offense that LSU had and how we were fortunate that, you know, we rotate so many guys in. Well, we were very fortunate that LSU only had 45 plays because Mississippi State had 87 plays on the day they averaged four and a half yards per play, you know, 400 yards of offense. The listeners can look at the stats. That's embarrassing. I'm sorry. There's, there's, no, there's no way to sugarcoat that. And so a team that is supposed to be dominant does not give up 400 yards and 87 plays and, and, and not have an ability to get off the field. And so we can break down the reasons here in a minute. Um, but I was – I mean, we're we're lucky that that was not a nail biter at the end of the game, only because of a couple big plays, or they could have lost that game. That game could have been an even game in the fourth quarter with just a fifty-fifty shot of losing the ball game. Yeah, yeah, that was you know people were going to look at you know the big highlights, the big plays, and there were a number of them. And you're going to look at the score, and you're going to think, well, that was the Alabama blowout that we all kind of expected. And uh, I don't think you have to peel too far under the covers to uh, uh, to see something different than that. Why don't you talk to us about offense? What uh, what jumped out at you on, on offense? 
Well, you know, Lane Kiffin went back to being a Pac-10 coordinator. Um, you know, I, I, I guess you have to, I guess you have to be successful running the ball down the field more than a couple games in a row to develop muscle memory for what the identity of your team is. And so everything we talked about on the LSU podcast, just, you know, flush it down the toilet. Um, you know, it was run to set up the play action. Well, at one point, David, I saw a stat that said Mississippi State had had the ball 34 plays, 17 running, 17 passing. We had only had the ball 17 plays total. And of those, we had only run the ball six times, I believe, out of 17. So in our first 17 plays, we had run the ball six times. Is so, there any chance, will you, will you provide any allowance that we were trying to preserve Henry? I will not, because when I saw that, I immediately wanted to bitch at Lane Kiffin, and I wanted to hang him out to dry again um, because of how many times have we said, okay, you're first and goal to two, run the ball three times. But then when you go back and look at some of the player interviews, um, apparently – there was numerous times that the Mississippi State defense um, calls Jake to audible to a run play, excuse me, to a pass play. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't, you know, obviously they didn't share the number of plays. Um, and so apparently I can't hang Lane out to dry too prematurely. Um, I have to wonder why the quarterback checked to the pass so many times um, because apparently there were numerous times at the beginning of the game that, that Jake, he checked out to what he thought would be a good play call, which obviously wasn't a good play call. Well, I think, I mean, I think the answer there, I mean, I think, right, I think it's a little bit self-evident. If you think about, well, how would we try to defend Alabama if you, if you, if you kind of put Manny Diaz's shoes on and you would say, you know what, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to let Coker try to beat me and I'm going to take away Henry and I'm going to try to, you know, they're going to have to beat me with, with Coker. And so, you know, they're a stout up front team They had some lapses of course, but otherwise they were pretty stout up front. And so why did Coker check to the pass? Because they were taking away the run. They, you know, they had given them something to read, take away the run. And so, you know, in some sense, we were kind of playing into Mississippi State's hand. They wanted us to uh, to beat them passing. And hey, you know, if I had to if I had to play us, that's what I would do. So I think some of the answer to that question is, you know, I think it's uh, it's out there for the taking. Now I understand, and and that's why I have to be fair to Lane. You know, when I when I made those statements, but like you look at the very first drive of the game. Okay, and we'll do defense in a minute. So the defense dominates at the beginning of the game and, and gets really – should have been three sacks on the first series, but they only gave credit for two because he barely made it to the line of scrimmage one time. And so we get the ball, and we throw the ball on first down for eight yards. Now we have second and two at the 24. I would love to know in that situation why you don't run the ball twice. That's all I'm asking. It's second and two at the 24. Take a megaphone and tell the entire stadium we're about to run the ball up the gut two times to our 240-plus-pound running back, 
And if you can't get two yards on two plays, then you deserve to punt the ball. That's all I'm saying. There yeah. was more than there was more than one time in the game where the down and distance dictated running the ball and we tried a cutesy pass or a low percentage pass and we didn't connect and that kind of stuff drives me crazy. Yeah. So you're saying you're saying, you know, even if it's a, you know, understanding the concept of a run pass option, you're saying, look, it's a run run option. You know, if if and, you don't like running to the right, then audible to run left. That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, just in certain situations. Now, now unfortunately, there was once or twice, surprisingly, and this is the offense, you know, this is off this is on the offensive line. There was once or twice where it was third and one, and either we checked into a run or we actually stuck with the run call, and Derrick Henry didn't get a first down. I believe it was just one time in the first quarter that we had third and one and, and Derek was stopped for a one-yard loss. So there was a couple times that we ran the ball and we didn't have success uh, on those you know, short yardage plays. And so in that situation, you know, I think it was some of both. I think it was the, the offensive line being dominated up front. I don't think the offensive line had a great game. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I saw numerous times where we had missed blocking assignments and or we weren't getting a hat on a hat as Saban likes to say, and um, that was allowing them to blow up some plays. Right. What'd you think about Henry's performance just overall? You know, um, I think Henry looked very good for somebody who uh, has had the load that that you you know that you and I've talked about. Um, it goes back to the to the mantra that I love of just you know feed the rock, you know just give the beast the ball. And it's what you've heard me say, you know, getting those, getting over 20 carries and something's going to bust loose. And so I just think they should have run the ball. Okay, here's what I'll say. He finished with 22 carries on the day. Yep. And some of the carries late in the game, I wouldn't have given him the ball. I just would have given him the ball earlier. More, more, I would have given him more carries sooner, but I'm not surprised with uh, that he finally busted one loose. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he had 22 carries for 208 yards. And so that sounds like like a really productive day, but they're really kind of Nick Chubb type stats, right? I mean, he had one rush for 74 yards. He had one rush for 65 yards and he had 20 rushes that netted 69 yards. And so he was looking at a three point, you know, four five average. And so, you know, Henry is teaching a lesson to all the young bucks out there. Go ask out all of the girls, right? Every one of them. And 20 of them are going to say no. And two of them are going to give you weekends of, of your life, right? And so just go ask them all out because you're going to score a long touchdown. All right. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I agree with the uh, numbers in that analogy. Um, no, it. I mean, he was going to, you know, you're not going to have the gap, um, the gap discipline that Coach Saban talks about all the time, right? Every defense is going to not always get in each gap like they're supposed to, and that's why he had the seventy. Excuse me, that's why he had the uh, the seventy-four yard run in the second quarter, and you know the one he did around the edge. Man, as soon as he got wide, um, he saw the end zone, and there was only one guy that was going to get him. What was so funny about the safety uh, number eleven for Mississippi State? 
is, as Gary Danielson correctly pointed out, he had the angle um, on him. But I think that teams just don't realize how fast he is. And so the guy was just kind of jogging and wasn't running as fast as as, uh, Henry until it was too late. And when he finally turned on, he's like, wait a minute, he's past me. And it's just funny to me. It's funny to me that all these guys just really – I mean, isn't there not – is there not enough tape on him this season now to to say guys run as fast as you can to start because he's pretty fast? You know, when he took that corner, I thought, you know, this is a four or five – and it was TV, right? And so there's kind of a depth perception issue. And and I was thinking, you know, he's going to run four or five, six yards and, you know, they're going to force him out of bounds. And then then he got the corner and, you know, the safety was coming over and I thought the safety's definitely got him. And then he was gone. And it didn't even look like – I mean, you're thinking the other guy looked like he was jogging. It didn't look like Henry was running full speed. But then he's gone. He's by you. And he's so tall, and he takes just those long strides that, you know, when you watch a little guy run, it's, you know, dig, 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 dig. You know, his his feet are just going a million miles an hour. But when you watch a long strider run, it just doesn't look like they're running that fast because their legs aren't moving that fast. But with each stride, you know, they're covering twice as much ground. It's just – you know, he's like a gazelle is uh and and yeah, that was an now impressive that, run. No, that's a good analogy because when you slow mo that run, as he gets past the line of scrimmage, he starts kind of like kind of like, you know, almost like a stallion. You can see that motion get with the legs. Mm-hmm. You can you can see the legs kind of get built up more, you know, a little bit more speed. Mm-hmm. His upper body, he's not like you know he's not moving all over with his upper body, right? He's got he's got very little loss of movement, right? right. Like he knows how to run without exerting a lot of effort. If that makes sense, what I'm trying to yeah. say. And so he's like a duck, right? I mean, it look everything. You know, he looks kind of peaceful, and then he's Correct. taking those long strides that really kind of belie the effort that he's exhibiting. It's, Correct. Uh, you know, it's 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 kind of impressive. Um, what else on offense jumped out at you? Well, you know, I, I just want to go back to the offensive line for a second because there there were there were several times where, you know, we were trying to we were trying to, you know, pull one of the guards and they would miss a kick out block or they would go to trap and one of the offensive linemen on the other side of the line would get blown up in the backfield, which would which would throw them off. And so they couldn't go get to their guy who would make the play. We just we weren't getting good movement off the ball, and you know I don't know how big the Mississippi State defensive linemen are, but by damn you're you're sitting here blocking two beasts in practice every day, and I'm I'm not willing to give I'm not saying you are, but I'm not willing to give our guys a pass on this. You're you're blocking Ashawn Robinson, Jaron Reed, and Jonathan Allen, and oh by the way you have a true freshman who benches 500 pounds. Uh, you, you're blocking – who you're blocking in practice is better than anybody else you'll face on any Saturday. And so I, I'm a little disappointed in how in how we played uh, on the offensive line in the game. Yeah, our offensive line has been, you know, a little bit mixed. And, you know, for all of the, the, the praise kind of we're getting nationally and, and looking like a dominant team and power running game and, and such, you know, there's enough negative plays and, and enough kind of lapses across the, the offensive front that, I mean, I like where we're going. I like our trajectory. I think if we kind of 
you know, keep our nose to the grindstone, then there's no limit to what we can accomplish. But if I, if I started to think about, well, what would keep us from accomplishing that, you know, it's, it's some negative plays at just kind of the right time. You know, the, the big run, Henry's first run right up the middle, um, you know, Gary Danielson was trying to – he even said, I'm trying to find an offensive lineman to praise on this play, and I can't find one. Uh, you know, here's this long touchdown run, and it, it w- almost was as if he could have run that without an offensive line. You know, Danielson tried to say – you know, the closest there's there there was to uh, a good block was Ryan Kelly. And and Ryan Kelly, I don't even know if he got hands on the guy, but he at least made the guy take two steps around him. And, you know, and then Henry was gone. You know, we've got to see some improvement there. No, I agree. Um, what did you what did you think about um, what, what did you think about the uh, interception that 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 Coker threw? Um, I thought I thought Ardarius uh, had a had a pretty good game, and, and I wanted to talk a little bit about his route running. But specifically on that play, you know, Gary pointed out that he felt like it was a a a read play yep. uh, from the wide receiver, and that the wide receiver and the quarterback are supposed to both make that call. And if that is correct. Um, it looks like Stewart made the obvious call to take it to the post, and Jake Coker um, seems to have been premature in releasing the ball, uh, or he would have had a, a pretty easy touchdown. Yeah, that's you know, and that's kind of how I saw it too. That's always the you know kind of the fun thing you wish you could be you know in the, in the the meeting rooms and kind of see who really. Uh, you know, miss the call there. The quarterbacks a lot of time get get more blamed than they should in those type of situations. But I wonder if the receiver wasn't actually right uh, on on this one. You know, it's, because you, because because where Jake Coker threw the ball, you know, you have to right. think that had to be on him, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and you know, he's thrown a lot. You know, getting hit, and this is just you know maybe he just was quick to make a read and. And uh, and made the wrong read. That's that's kind of how I would assess that. Um, well, tell me tell me a little bit about uh, on, on Calvin Ridley's touchdown play. Um, I actually I actually was calling for them to run the ball there. To be fair, uh, and they they threw the ball on a third and five. Um, I was <laughs> let me back up a second. So I was being critical on that touchdown before that touchdown because. You know, first and ten, they threw it five yards. Now they got second and five. Once again, I'm thinking, run the ball twice. Get you a first down. You're in good field position at the 40-yard line. So we have a pass incomplete to Ridley on second and five. We line up third and five. I'm fussing because I want them to, you know, run the ball. And then they pass the ball to Ridley. Um, tell me, tell me what you thought about the uh, the freshman's juke, which uh, you know made it to the ESPN highlights. Yeah, we can talk about, you know, play selection and all of that. And if, if we just kind of discount that for a little bit and we just say, you know, the execution of, of this play, man, I'm going to tell you what, this may, and I went back and, you know, kind of rewatched it, you know, three or four times. That may be my favorite play of the season because there's just so much going on there. The, the you know, the little, the little quick, you know, hook to, uh, to Calvin Ridley, you know, true freshman, 
just superior athleticism is, is what he demonstrated there. The move that he made and then the burst of speed that he demonstrated was just incredible. But then you kind of layer around that Kenyon Drake just pancaking uh, a Mississippi State defender to really free the initial sort of free uh, of Calvin Ridley. Total, total, racing, total unselfishness. What, yes. Yeah. And then racing down the field to get, you know, kind of caught up and in position to help make him play was our Darius Stewart with a block. And so to me, that that all just kind of comes together, right? You've got, you know, this freshman wide receiver that's taken reps from these two seniors and these two seniors step up and um, and, and just make really athletic and dynamic plays in their own right to spring the touchdown. That's just, you know, I, don't, I mean, we've seen some teams with crappy chemistry and you just don't get that kind of play, especially the downfield blocking. And when you get some of that downfield blocking and you get some of those intangible things, and we've talked about this before, you know that you you have something special, right? And that play for all the, you know, it's some of my favorite players on the team, it, you know, especially when you think about Drake and, and Ardarius, you know, making plays when they don't have the ball, unselfishness. You've got this just new kid on the block, true freshman, making just an incredible athletic play. And, um, you know, and, and it all sort of is congealing around the message that the coach has kind of been instilling, you know, for these guys and some of them for multiple years. And, of course, it's a big touchdown, you know, in, in what's, you know, otherwise a tight game at that point. So, I mean, this is one of my favorite plays of the season. Well, it was definitely awesome uh, for both Drake and uh, Stewart. Um, I'm surprised that, you know, they're going to the freshman, right, of all their choices. I'm surprised that they went to the freshman because, you know, he had to be the first read. You yeah, know, I'm not, yeah, I'm, not yeah. I'm not trying to be mean here, but he had to be the first read. Yeah, on that and, round, um, he clearly was the first read. And so I'm a little surprised. You know, I'm not saying he hasn't played well, but I'm surprised they called the freshman's number on third and five at their 40-yard line in that situation. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, and it's kind of the cliche. You know, at this point of the season, no one's a freshman anymore. And so, you know, I know I just kind of hyped it up. But, you know, there's something true to that, too. This this far into the season, you know, clearly he's our best wide receiver. If that was a question earlier in the year, it's not a question anymore. He is our best, you know, kind of most talented receiver. And uh, I think the time that he has spent on the team, you know, wasn't he here for, you know, for spring and then all of fall camp. And so, I mean – He's been around the program enough that, you know, hey, we've got a third and five. We can trust that we're going to get this guy the ball. And and Saban in this press conference today, he kind of made a big deal because they were asking about, you know, hey, these youngsters kind of stepping up at running back, and we should talk about that too. And he said, you know, it takes more than talent to play. You've got to have a maturity. And he gave sort of this kind of rambling Saban-esque answer, right, where there's there's more to it than just, you know, who can run around and 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 uh, and, and be the most athletic. You have to be able to be, you know, consistent and know your assignments and all of these things. And and he called, you know, Calvin Ridley out by name that clearly here's – and Minka Fitzpatrick as well. You know, clearly here are two freshmen that are doing it. And and so it can be done by youngsters. But, you know, it's a little bit more challenge for, challenging for them to, to do that. And, you know, Calvin Ridley certainly has, has, earned, has earned those accolades. Oh, sure. And I'm not saying he hasn't earned it. And, and obviously – you know, there was there was YouTube videos of his summer workouts, right? right? 
And uh, ironically, he was out there with Chris Black in the summertime, and he was doing those those cuts inside those cones, and you know he, he was working his tail off. And hey, so, you know what? We got our answer on Chris Black, and I know this wasn't part of the game, but you know um, it came out last week that that he's going in for surgery, that he's had an ankle injury, and he's tried to kind of hobble his way through it during the season. And 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 you've been very vocal and like, well, why do you think he's not playing? And kind of what's going on? And and, you know, we'll go a couple weeks without seeing him and then he'll come out and we'll think, well, maybe this is, you know, his opportunity and and never really materializes. And we don't know that it would necessarily, but certainly with him being, you know, and coach even said he has good days and bad days and more bad days than not. And we finally kind of made the decision that, that he needs to he needs to get that fixed. And so I thought that was interesting to kind of get a definitive solution to a question that we've been pondering most of the year. No, that is good. I I did not see that. So that is that is good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear there's something that is the cause of that and that uh in that you know he can you know he can have surgery and, and get that addressed. Um yeah. you know, I hate that he's injured, but I like that there's an explanation that makes sense to me, right? Oh sure. Well, hey, a minute ago I was talking before we before we flipped the field, I was talking a minute ago about you know Jake Coker on that play with Stewart and and who was wrong and who was right. There's another one that that I wanted to to point out. Um, in the second quarter, we had the ball, uh, our first possession in the second quarter after they had just missed a, a fifty, uh, they had just missed a, a long uh, a long field goal attempt. Um, we get the ball, start at the thirty two yard line, nice field position. We have a third and four at the thirty eight, and Jake Coker throws a pass to the sideline, to Mulaney. It was kind of a forced throw. It was, you know, it wasn't a great throw. It was going to be a hard catch to make. Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, when CBS comes back and, and shows the play again, you see Stewart running a really nice route, yep. dragging across the middle. He's 25 yep. yards down the field. He should have been right in front of the six foot five Jake Coker's vision. You know, we don't have a five foot ten quarterback here, and I'm I'm starting to get concerned at Jake Coker's ability to read the field, and and so and so I'm, I'm just there's another situation which is why I thought Stewart had a really good game where Stewart ran some really nice routes and and Stewart could have had over a hundred yards receptions in this in this ball game and and didn't get the opportunities and so. You know, it just seems like there was a few instances yet again in this in this game where he didn't look for his second and third progression, at least it appears to me, um, at guys who had run some nice routes. Yeah, see, it, I'm going to agree with everything that you said there. My conclusion is going to be a little different. You know, you said that you were starting to get concerned, and – as I was even watching the game and, you know, and he threw a pick and everything. And, but, but as I was watching the game, I came to the, I came just to the conclusion that, you know, this is what Coker is and it's enough for us to win with. And so he's not going to always be able to check and read all of his receivers. He's going to make, you know, a pick uh, at some point, but he's going to be tough and the rest of the team likes him and he's going to run for a first down and he is going to connect on some big passes, and that's just kind of that's just kind of what he is. His game lacks a certain refinement, which I think is what you're looking for. 
And, you know, if he were a redshirt sophomore and we're going to be in the system two more years, then we might see some of that. I just think that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, he went to Florida State and was behind Jameis and then he got here and somehow, you know, was behind, you know, Blake Sims. I just think he's he's been, you know, arrested development in, in terms of, you know, his quarterback career. And, and what we see is what we get. And I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. I'm not mad at him, right, because sure. this is year one. I'm just saying that I'm seeing glimpses of of why he wasn't going to be the guy last year. Yeah, yeah, I'm and, about that. And 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 there was a lot of hype, which I probably bought into some as well. Sure. Of he's going to be the guy because we had seen for two years how poorly Blake Sims had played in the A day games. Okay, as our as our yeah, as it our looked like a wide state. open door. I mean, yes, you know, and it yes. wasn't. And so Blake came in and did you know did what he did. But I'll tell you what though, and and I'd be hard pressed to tell you which one of the guys it's going to be. But when the quarterbacks get in the quarterback room and they watch those kinds of things, and you know, obviously they're coaching to Coker at this point, and when they're walking through and they're visualizing these kinds of things and they're saying, "Hey, we understand what you did here, but." You know, was there something that prevented you maybe from seeing this? There has got to be one of those youngster quarterbacks that's just sitting there quietly licking his chops. And yes. uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, it'll be interesting to see come spring just the wide open battle that there is for quarterback and who who really is soaking up the lessons that – Who's paying attention. Playing, by, yeah, playing behind yeah. Coker is, is, uh, is giving them. Well, I just – I don't think the coaching staff knew that Coker could run like he could, right? Sure. He probably didn't get a chance to show that in his competition against Blake Sims. And so Blake Sims was able to bring more to the table. And Jake Coker, like you said, he's given a lot of heart. He's given it all he's got right now. Um, I just – I see those kind of things and it just frustrates me. That's yeah. all. So, so some of those runs that he has, you can't fabricate that, right? You can't. You know, it's not like an athletic quarterback that can go out there and make a move and kind of show you what he's got. When you, you know, when you are running for your life, you're running for your life, and you can't fake that. <laughs> you, yes. you know, in practice, he's that in not practice. going to take my head off, and so I don't have to worry, and so I don't have to, you know, run like I'm about to, you know, get clobbered. Yeah. And uh, in in a game, he's demonstrating a capability that probably is very difficult to practice. No, no, that's the, the the scout team does not show him that. Exactly. Well, uh, who who is your uh, mini game ball? Hey, I want to just ask you one more question. Uh, I know we've got we'll, we'll talk about the upcoming opponent, but you know we've uh, obviously we've got to get Bo and Damian some additional carries, and so I, I'm going to throw three names out there just just for grins. Um, but who gets more carries next week, Henry, Bo, or Damian? It should be Damien without question. Yeah. Um, and I was a little bit disappointed um, that Damien only had three carries on the day. Um, this is this is where Alabama, you know, th- Derek Henry should have been, he should have had carries early, and earlier, and got out. 
And Damian Harris, as soon as as soon as Kenyon Drake went out of the game with his had his freak special teams injury, uh, which we can talk about, um, Damian Harris comes in on the very next drive, but only gets like one of his three carries. Yeah. And so for him to finish the day with three carries and Bo Scarborough, who hasn't had a carry since like game the Georgia game, you know, finishes with as many carries as Damian Harris. I'm sorry. You know, ego is ego, right? You were the number one running back in the nation last year, right? You know what Derrick Henry's feeling because you were the same kind of guy. For you to have three carries in the game and Bo Scarborough get three carries on the game, that's just wrong. That's just not the way it should have been done. And so this better be 20 carries Damian Harris, 10 carries Bo Scarborough, and Derrick Henry better not even know where his helmet's at. Wow. Okay. You know, I would have called I would have called for the backup running backs a series earlier. And I would have and, and in fact, I would have gone I would have left the starting line in, but I would have gone Cooper Bateman and and the two younger running backs and, and kind of in whichever order and it sounds like you would go Damian and that's fun. But I would have done that a series earlier and your idea of let's just run the ball, I would have just been running the ball to give the guy reps. Um and you know, and I would have rotated, and I'd like to for them both to get some reps, and 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 we'll see. I don't know that it'll be a twenty ten distribution. You know, Henry's going to play some, uh, but I'd like to see him limited. You know, to like ten carries, get him out in the you know in the first quarter, and then let the other guys, you know, two possessions, two possessions, kind of thing, right? Almost. Why, why, like- but well, why does Derrick Henry even need to play? Seriously, why does he even need to play? I, you know, I, he doesn't. Does he? It, it, he doesn't the net right? is he doesn't. Now, you know, does that mean that he won't? No, he'll play. And then, you know, and then, and then you could reason that, you know, to keep him in the flow of the game and the pace of the, the game and, and, uh, and, and whatnot. But, and so if we want to give him, Tim, to, you know, six or eight carries in the first quarter and get him out, yeah, that's, that'd be great. Hey, look, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't mind if we return the opening kickoff for a touchdown. And then held them to three and outs and returned two punts for touchdowns, and we're up twenty-one to nothing, and the offense hasn't stepped the field, stepped on the field. And I'm saying, well, I'm sorry, Henry and and Coker. I guess you just don't get to play today. I mean, that's oh, no, yeah, I'm with you. No, I'm with you. I I just um I, I will say to your point about the distribution. As I go back and look at this play by play here, it is very interesting that uh, Derek Henry had three carries on that last drive on the drive we had right at the end of the third quarter we ran the ball three times in a row to Derrick Henry then at the start of the fourth quarter he carries four times in a row and then well he's basically the only running back running on that on that series so of his 22 carries David he got one two three seven, eight, nine of his 22 carries on the last um, – he got nine of his 22 carries on that 14-play drive uh, where the field goal was blocked. Right. And then he proceeds to come back in and score his touchdown, right? Well, what's very interesting on that very next drive, to your point about Cooper Bateman and the backups, is we alternated Damian and Bo every single time. 
Those last two drives, it was Damian Bow, Damian Bow, Damian Bow. And so isn't that weird that we did it that way? Were, were we auditioning for the backup right there by you run a play, then you run a play? And I mean, we we sat there and did that on six running plays in our last two drives. We made them run in and out off the sideline and alternate like that. Doesn't that seem weird? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I, auditioning might be too strong of a term, but we're giving both of them an opportunity to kind of establish themselves. And, um, you know, and I think we're going to see a healthy dose of that on Saturday. I, you know, I think that, you know, we're probably not going to have a problem getting getting the lead against these guys. And then we're going to run these these backups. Uh, and, and, you know, they're going to come out of this game. They may both have, you know, 10 or 12 or, you know, 14 carries. And I think that'd be fun to see. Oh, sure. But I just, I, I guess from, you know, I, I guess they're giving Bo the nod because of his injury, right? And you shouldn't lose a spot because of an injury, but you would think Damian Harris would have finished with more carries on the day. Yeah, I'll buy that's, that. That's for sure. Um, who's your mini game ball? You know, my mini game ball, even though you uh, stole the credit that I wanted to give on Calvin Ridley's play, I have to give it to Stewart. Uh, and even though he is not mini game ball worthy, I don't really care uh, because I have been critical of Stewart at the beginning of the season that he was not, you know, making plays and 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 maybe he just he wasn't he wasn't contributing like you know I thought he should be. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we'll never know what what has turned the light on for him, but. You know, he followed up a good LSU game with a good Mississippi State game and and is really stepping his play up. And, you know, th- those couple plays, uh, the play on Ridley to be unselfish that you called, and then the route running he did, the aggressive running after the catch. Um, I- I'm just really pleased with how Stewart played in the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And, you know, for that, you know, f- for that matter, I'd, I'd say kind of tag me in because – uh, I'm I'm going, you know, Drake with my mini game ball. And so I'm a little bit sentimental sap here because, you know, he got he got injured and he's been one of my favorites. But, you know, he had just a pair of catches. He actually didn't run the ball, but uh, you know, he slobber knocked uh the you know, the defender on on that play. And and if you didn't go if you didn't go um Stewart, then I was gonna split my mini game ball because they both get a tip of the hat in my mind. Uh flip the field, talk to me about defense. You know, the first play, um, I want to, I guess, first of all, I just want to start by giving kudos where it needs to be to the, to the front defensive line, uh, specifically the, the front four guys. Um, we talked about in the LSU game, you know, I pointed out to the listeners that we had ran 12 different guys with their hands in the dirt, even though some are linebackers, sure. and that it was nice that we had that depth with just, you know, 45 plays. Well, Dave, I got to tell you, man. If we didn't have the depth that we talked about last week, I don't think we could have put this kind of pressure on this team and them have 87 plays. For our offense to be as inept as they were and have as many three and outs as they did, um, I'm just tickled to death that we we got to Prescott so many times. And, um, you know – I think I heard the CBS announcers say that I think the most times he had been sacked in a game had been three. Yes. And so to get nine of him, which which you should have called ten, 
Um, I'm just so pleased with that, man. That that's ha- that has to be where we start this defensive discussion. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. Nine sacks is just – that's just phenomenal. And that does not even begin to, to count the number of times that, that he was hit. And, you know, there's a couple of those he just eked across, you know, the, the line of scrimmage to keep it from being a sack. But, you know, even on just a flat-out runs where he gained a few yards, he was getting hit. And, you know, he got hit all day. And there's no doubt about, you know, he spent some time in the ice tub and he knew that he was in a game when that was over. And, you know, there's got to be a part of him that said, holy cow, I cannot win a game like this by myself. And as, as, as hard as he played and as well as he played, you know, over 300 passing yards, uh, you know, he's their leading rusher. He, he is not on a team that allows him to be, you know, kind of a one-man team, if that makes sense. No, it does. And it, it really makes you wonder, man. You know, we don't, we, don't, we don't follow Mississippi State, you know, close enough to answer this question. But you look at the two running backs for them that got carries, Holloway and Fitzgerald. You know, Holloway has a 19-yard carry, finishes at 4.9 per carry. Fitzgerald has a 13-yard run and finishes at 4.8. So the two of them had 12 carries for 70 yards. Okay? 12 carries for 70 yards. Dak Prescott had 26 carries for 72 yards for a lovely .5 yards per carry because of all his loss yards. So why did they not just give the ball to Holloway and Fitzgerald a little more? They averaged – I guess what I'm trying to say to you is is we, we've, we've done this a long time now. We see a lot of stat lines where the, where the running back for the other team averages two or three yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair to these two guys, they both average five yards a carry. Give them the damn rock a little bit more instead of getting your quarterback killed. Well, and, and they had – and this kind of goes back to – you know, this kind of goes back to this being kind of a tale of two games. They had offensive performers all up and down their lineup. I mean, you know, counting Dak and, and the two guys that you mentioned, they've had, they had three rushers that rushed that had rushes of 13 yards or more. They had five receivers that had catches of 19 yards or more. And if you break that down a little bit more, I mean, they had two receivers that had catches of 40 yards or more, and one was over 50. And you think all of those types of performances, that's a lot of moving the ball. But they, did, they didn't have a touchdown. They did not have a touchdown. And so I know we had a goal line stand, and you think, man, that's a lot of production to not get any value out of it. And, and you know, fortunate for us, right? I mean, they could have had a touchdown very early in the game. And, uh, you know, some of the big plays, you know, if they're moving the ball and scoring, then – the big plays that we have don't demoralize them in, the, in quite the same way. How many times have we seen that, right, where we methodically move the ball up and down the field and somebody will get a big play? And, and we'll just think and we'll even say, that's okay. They just got lucky on a play. We are methodically moving the ball. What we're doing is sustainable. What they're doing is not. And, and that whole sort of mantra was flipped on its ears because – what they did was sustainable. They just couldn't get points for it. We had sort of the big burst, big plays, and, you know, we blew them out. No, it's an odd right. game, right? It, 
No, it is, man. But I, I look at Dak Prescott with his 43 pass attempts, and you know he was hit pretty much on all of those. Nearly, yes. And, and then he had 26 carries. So out of their 87 plays, he basically got hit 69 times. Because he got I mean, hit he on all his hit runs. Literally that many times, but, but, but you know, but if you just said, you know, if you said a third of them, that's more than twenty times getting hit. That's a lot. It is. Well, dude, if he if he dropped back forty three times and he ran it twenty six of sixty nine times, I guarantee you the boy got hit thirty five, forty times. I, I'm being. Total. I'm just saying. Right. There's no way that he didn't get hit a lot. We're saying sure, the same thing. Sure, a ton. And so it's like, how do you do that to your quarterback? Right? right, I don't, I don't get that. I just, I don't, I, I, you shouldn't have come into this game. Okay, I'll say this a different way. You shouldn't have come into this game thinking you're going to run the ball against this team. And so, um, I guess they maybe they didn't think they'd have 87 plays. Right? You and I didn't think they, <coughs> you and I didn't no. think they'd have 87 plays. And so. Maybe that explains the distribution because they finished with 45 passes and 42 runs. And, you know, maybe that's just it in a nutshell is they expected to be a pass-heavy attack, um, and it didn't work out that way. Although early in the game when they showed 34 plays, they had run the ball 17 times and thrown the ball 17 times. Their balance was 100% split down the middle. So – I'm just shocked that they let their quarterback get hit that many times. But I will tell you that, you know, they had the ball 11 minutes in the second quarter. We had the ball for three minutes. And you and I both know that we've had teams in the past that didn't have this depth that we would have got our butt kicked by this Mississippi State team a few years ago. You you take these offensive numbers up and down the field that they had Sure. With the lack of depth on our defensive line that we talked about, you know, right against Georgia, right? When we talked about our podcast the other day, mm-hmm. man, we'd have been up a creek. Yeah, this is a Mississippi State. We've been beaten by less by Mississippi State team. Mississippi State teams are not as good as this one. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. Now, last year, I thought maybe. Well, I mean, you know, evidence kind of proved that out, right? They were number one at at, at one point and undefeated when they when we face them last year, I thought they were a better team than this year. They had, you know, more depth and, and a stronger running back and, and, uh, and what have you, but this is still a really strong team. And, you know, they're, they're just kind of built around one guy and, you know, it's typical Mississippi state, right? De- depending upon how strong they are, they, you know, in any given year, you take the elite team in the sec and it's been Georgia before it's been Tennessee before it's been Florida before it's been, you know, it's us, it's been hell, it's been Auburn. And so whatever the elite team in the SEC is, right? They they have, depending upon how good Mississippi is that that given year, they're sixty to seventy percent of what that team is. And and that's just who they are. And so this year, they're whatever percent of, of we are is, you know, kind of what they are, six call it, you know, sixty-eight percent. But they've got, oh, we've got one of those darn fangled quarterbacks that gives Alabama trouble. They just – that's enough for that they thought that they were going to win. And, you know, Dak's really good, and and uh, but their team is not good enough for him to be a one-man show. No. And just the depth that we have on this team with the, with the number of guys we can throw at you <clears throat> is, is why I think that, you know, 
they only had success between the 20s. Right. Well, I want to I want to point out a play in the second quarter with about two minutes left. Um, and I wanted to point this play out for Reuben Foster. Um, just because got to give him some love here uh, on this play because we we talked about his progression of you know staying on the field more. Uh, he was in a situation where you know it was a passing down. Um, Mississippi State has the ball two minutes left in the in the first half. The wide receiver is open. Reuben Foster has kind of moved himself out of the play. Um, he reads and reacts to the quarterback quicker than the wide receiver. He comes back and he lunges and not, I'm sure you saw it and knocks the ball down. And just kudos to him. That dude wouldn't have done that a year ago. He couldn't have done that a year ago. And um, I think this guy is 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 molding himself into an all-around linebacker slowly but surely. He really is. I mean, his performance this season and 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 this game may be his best best of his career. You know, yes. he had ten tackles, two pass breakups, and two quarterback hurries. It, you know that in you can look at that and say he's having success. And I know he's a linebacker, not a defensive back, but you know the tackles, the pass breakups, and the quarterback hurries. He's having he's having success at like all three levels. You know, getting after the quarterback at the line of scrimmage and and you know and and in coverage, and th- that speaks to his his maturity, his development. And that speaks to coach trusting him. And I say coach, you know, coaches plural, the coaching staff, trusting him in those different scenarios to keep him on the field. And, you know, that's kind of that's kind of where you, where you were going. But, you know, I, I completely agree. And, you know, definitely kudos, hats off to, to Reuben Foster. This is the kind of guy, you know, it, it's almost like he's Ragland Jr., right? You know, Ragland this time last year was really bursting out on the scene. And uh, Ragland, I, I may, I think, made, you know, obviously I'm biased, right? But I think he made the wise decision to come back to college for a senior year rather than, you know, going pro. And I think that's going to pay, you know, dividends in his draft stock. I think Reuben Foster needs to follow that model. I mean, he could go and be drafted because his athleticism and he would wow people with the combines. But I think he needs a little more time in the system to develop himself as a linebacker as opposed to an athletic uh, defensive player. Oh, sure. And um, this was just you, – you are correct. This was probably his best game of his career. And um, him and number 19 have come a long way from when they opened the season against Virginia Tech. Man, <laughs> yes, they have. I mean, you, you, you would hardly believe it's the same people. Well, anything about the, um, anything about the sack plays – uh, were you surprised that we were able to get to him so easily? I was because, you know, because it's the mobile quarterback, right? And so getting to, you know, getting to a quarterback is is a challenge, not, you know, nine times. That that doesn't happen. And you think, well, getting to a mobile quarterback is, is that much harder. And uh, so, yeah, I was impressed that we got to him uh, so, so many times. And, again, not just the sacks, but the other hits that, that we got on him, you know, hit him as he was getting rid of the ball or hit him as he was, you know, scrambling to get to the line of scrimmage or, you know, what have you. He took a number of shots, and that's impressive. Oh, there was, you know, I, I, should, I should have gone back and counted the number of times he was, you know, he had a, a rush for no gain and see how many of those. Uh, yeah. he, I'll have to go back and see how many of those could have 
you know, could have possibly been sacks as well. Um, what else jumped out at you on defense? Marlon, Marlon Humphrey, you know, got beat. Uh, we, we had our, we had our, you know, seems like once a game get beat for a long pass play and, and then he came back and, and redeemed himself due to that quarterback pressure. Um, how did you think the the secondary played? They were okay. Uh, you know, I don't think they were lights out like we've seen before, but they were okay. You know, we did give up, you know, I gave off the stat five different players with, you know, nearly 20 yard receptions or more. And, you know, some of them were pretty far down the field, you know, Marlon getting beaten and coming back with a pick, you know, we've seen him do that before. Um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick went out and Tony Brown came in, you know, for everyone says, well, when somebody goes down at Alabama, they just bring in another five star. And, you know, you and I both know that, yeah, I get your theory, but that's not really, really, really what happens. Except for as I watch this game and I see Tony Brown come in for Minka and, and I see Damian and Bo come in for Henry. I'm like, well, all of those guys are five stars. So I guess guilty is charged. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, uh, it's it's fun to be an Alabama fan. It's a um, good time, there, right? There's not a lot of guys that uh, there, there's not a lot of people that can that can say that uh, for sure. Um, I, I will tell you real quick. I, I have to I had to go back and check this. So so our our buddy Prescott, he had uh, he had two runs for one yard. So uh, he had he had a couple plays there that was uh, that was oh, excuse me three runs for for one yard. So he was pretty close a couple other times. Um, tell me real quick about uh, Eddie Jackson. I don't know if you sense this in the game, but there was one play early in the game where we read the play on third down. We had everything schemed correctly. Um, Eddie Jackson came up to make the play and was juked and uh, had to recover. He just seemed to be running pretty deliberate on that on that knee in this ball game, he seemed to be favoring it to me. Did you notice that? I, I, I don't, can't say that I did, you know, clearly he didn't have a, you know, I, I say a big game. He didn't even have his typical game. And so, you know, if he was favoring that a little bit, I wouldn't be that surprised. You know, he was dinged up and, and um, you know, you can kind of fight through it, to, you know, in an LSU game, but, you know, maybe a week later, it's still kind of lingering. So, I think he still has an opportunity to get healthy. He'll get back to form. I'm not mad at him. It just looked like he was favoring the leg a little bit, and uh, just wanted to see if you'd notice that because I think that kind of contributed a little bit to to his play. Um, anything else jumped out at you on on defense um, before we do mini game balls? Yeah, you know, two things. Um, you know, so you and I have kind of had a, a friendly back and forth on the defensive lineman, and so you're a Jaron Reed. And I'm an Ashawn Robinson, but man, what do you think about Jonathan Allen, man? Seven tackles, three sacks, and you know what his you know what his most outstanding demonstration on the day was? What? He made Saban bleed. Man, man, see, I wasn't even gonna talk to Jonathan Allen because he was gonna be my mini game boss. So I was just trying to leave it alone and you had to totally F that up. So good job. Um you know, for the boy to get his shoulder knocked out of socket early in the season, come right back a couple days later in practice, you know how I feel about this kid. 
this guy is going to be the Wallace Gilberry who plays sure. in the NFL for 12 years because he does the little things. But he's bigger than Gilberry. He's faster than Gilberry. And he has a pass rushing ability better than Gilberry. So, oh my gosh, he's not going to be the he's not going to be the headliner. He's going to be on the other end from the headliner, and he is just going to freaking rack up because of it. Um, yeah, I, th- I think yeah. the mantra I think the mantra in the draft is is going to be, you know, Alabama defensive lineman, no need to rush. There's enough to go around. <laughs> you know, it's it it when you when you went back and looked at the stat line though. You know, you had to be surprised to see where he finished on the stat line. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, hey, I've, speaking of this. I've, I've just got one more thing. Okay. On defense. And I did a double take. And so, you know, just give me your off-the-top sort of reaction because I was just astonished. But um, Adonis Thomas, a true freshman, got his first play on Saturday. Yeah, so this late like in the that. season, he burned a red shirt, and I thought, Ugh, I don't yeah, know I why we would do that. Yeah, I don't understand that either. Um, you know, in in what situation with all the depth that you have, okay, and with all of the the linebackers who don't get as many snaps in the game because of what base formations you run, um, it really makes you wonder why why you do that right there. There, the, you can't even file this under your roster management that you like to say. No, that that's just somebody making a mistake. Well, it's, it's it's like contra roster management, right? I mean, it's I you know I can't remember the player. I want to say it was like, wasn't it D liner? Yes, there you go. Yes. I was thinking D four, but yeah, Auburn. But D liner played against Tennessee. With D liner, yes, yeah, D liner played against Tennessee that time. And we both said we could go back and find the podcast. We both said, well, I guess we're going to see a lot of him the rest of the season. And I don't think we saw a lick of him. And so I yeah. think, man, for those couple of plays against Tennessee, he lost the red shirt. And it just, you know, that's typically, I mean, let's face it, you and I used to see that a lot under other coaches. We don't see it much under Saban because it's kind of, why would you even do that? Well, and, yeah, you're right. You're right. And when and when it happened with D liner, though, we were very thin at defensive line. Right. And we had had some guys who had just gotten you know hurt for the year, and so you could work your way into the logic of well, next man up, we we got to see what he can do. Right. Well, that's not the case with linebacker. No, you know, you think of Holcomb and you think of Christian Miller, who's redshirted last year and hasn't you know he's played some special teams. You know, you think. There's any number of guys that that could have been used in that capacity. So I don't know. I saw it and I was I was quite surprised. But uh, anything else on defense? No, man. Give me your mini game ball. I, I'm I'm going Geno Smith. Uh, he he really laid some wood uh, a couple of times on Saturday. Uh, he really stepped into the box uh, last week against uh, LSU and made some big tackles. And so. He's the smallest of our, I'll say, our starting DBs. And, uh, and he has played pretty physical over the last couple of weeks. And, and uh, I think his play the last two weeks has been amongst the best play that he's given us all season. And so I'm just giving a tip of the cap to Geno Smith. 
Well, oh, he Gino, Gino Matthias Smith. That's all right, man. You can call him Gino Smith. He he definitely uh, he definitely has played well. Uh, he's definitely come on here the last two weeks. I would I would agree with that. Um, you know, as as far as my mini game ball, man, I, I I'm just going to share the love and I'm just going to give it to the to the front defensive line. Um, okay. just because of this performance, you and I have you and I can go back at the years we've been doing this, and there has been there has been complete seasons where we did not have nine sacks of the quarterback on the season, much less in one in much less in one game. And so, for all the reasons we talked about it, I'm giving it to the defensive line. Nine's a small number for a season, but I definitely agree with your philosophy there. I agree with your point. I bet you we can find a season where we came pretty close to low low double digits for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I don't I don't argue with that point. All right, talk so to tell me, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You got to talk to me about your punter, man. What the hell has he been reading his clippings too much? What what's going on here with J.K.? You know, I don't know. I it's you know you think of a sophomore slump and you think you know it's a punter. You know, <laughs> it's he he's just go out there and do what he kind of always does and. I don't know if, it, if he didn't like the cowbells or, or, or what it was. I, you know, I could kind of make a reason for his, you know, in, in Dallas and sort of in that stadium. That kind of made sense to me. But some of what we've seen, you know, I guess he's human. You know, <laughs> you know I, I don't want to be unrealistic in my expectation. But, uh, man, he set a mighty high bar last year. And, uh, you know. He's hit it a couple of times, but not as consistently. I mean, he burst on the scene last year. Well, and to be and to be fair, it's because he did a good, such a good job last year, right? Because you and I have been doing this long enough that that he averaged forty yards for the game. Well, that forty yards average is higher than other punters did on their best day that sure. have punted for Alabama. Oh, absolutely. And so, so it's funny to say, well, you finished with forty yards. What's wrong with you? But <laughs> Yeah. I think part of I think part of Mississippi State's um, we always talk about flipping the field, and I think part of Mississippi State's ability to have eighty-seven plays is they had some really good opportunities. I mean, I'm looking at one time early in the game, fourth and seven from our nineteen. JK punts at thirty-seven yards. They get it at the forty. They start from their forty-seven, right? And we can go look at the field, but you know, there's another pun here. He had another thirty-something yards, and so and so when you look at the starting field position for Mississippi State, um, you know, they really had some some good opportunities, you know, with the ball early in the game, and I think that really helped as far as them on offense. Yeah, I agree. What else on special teams? Now I just want to talk about Cyrus, um, you know, because you know, always want to, you know give credit where credit is due. Um, you know, he told the announcers that they had a block called on that punt return, which I'm surprised it didn't look to me like they were in a punt block. So it looks to surprised that they were going after the ball. Uh, if they were, if they were truly going after the ball and, and he took it upon himself to make a play cause he saw a crease, then good job because something needed, something good needed to happen, uh, to this team. And, you know, they always talk about that spark. Well, we'll never know if that was a spark, um, but we definitely needed something good to happen at, at that point and, you know, whenever that did happen. Yeah, you know, a lot of people don't like Vern and they don't like Danielson. And I can I can understand people not liking Vern. I, 
I, I mean, I don't dislike him, but I can, I can see the point. I do not understand why people don't like Gary Danielson because he's, he's just insightful, knowledgeable. He's not a jerk about it. He's just, I just enjoy listening to him. And so when Cyrus, when Cyrus made that return, he just made a very simple statement that just resonated so much with me. He said, this Alabama team is explosive everywhere. And it just made me think, you know what? Long runs for a touchdown, long passes for a touchdown. We block a punt for a touchdown. We return a punt for a touchdown. We return interceptions for a touchdown. We, you know, fumbles. You know, this team can have a bad day somewhere. And in fact, we had, you know, we had good and bad days kind of at every level. But this team can have a bad day somewhere. And it's talented enough and explosive enough to buoy itself um, anywhere. And so, you know, they were moving the ball. We got a goal line stand, but they were moving the ball. The offense was stagnant. Uh, Cyrus had kind of, you know, flubbed a punt. And so he was really aggressive in that one and found a lane and a cutback, and he was gone. And he's been getting better, kind of better and better each of the last couple weeks at coming closer to breaking one. And, uh, you know, you couldn't write up, you know, a prescription for a big play need uh, and it fit the bill kind of any more this season than what we saw there. Oh, no, absolutely. It was um, – and, and you know, we talked about this kid's speed in the A-Day game when he was a freshman, yes. right? Yes. And we, you, know, you and I talked about that closing speed and that burst, and um, that's what we saw in the middle of the field there where, where he split the scene there. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Hey, and you know, you know, you talked about, you know, we were uh, we were going for the block, and 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 um, Saban talked about that in his press conference. And I love listening to his press conferences because, you know, sometimes they're really entertaining because he'll just get on people, and sometimes they're entertaining just because of the way you know he talks and, and answers questions, and then sometimes there's just a joy because you will learn something about football that maybe you suspected, maybe you haven't looked at it, you know, a certain way. And he talked about that punt, and he said he called it a bulldog punt. And he said, well, you know, we call it that because Georgia first did it to us, and, you know, we kind of liked it. And, and you know, he said sometimes if you're going to hold up and so you're trying to do a punt return and you go to hold up, the the gunners and the, the punting team, they can read that. Hey, you're trying to block me. That means you guys are not coming after this one. So I can release and go tackle your guy. But if you rush and you you actively are rushing to block the punt, then then the blockers have to actually stay in and block uh, to prevent you from prevent you from blocking. And he said it kind of it kind of I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but it kind of messes with their with their return and with their coverage. Makes them hesitate. You force them to stay in and block and then it, that can bust their lanes. And I thought, man, that's that's pretty clever. I've never thought about it that way. And then I started to think, why would you not go after every punt? But yeah, you know, I I'll have to listen to his next press conference and let him explain that one to me to get to get the answer to that one. Right. Hey, what what did you think about the? Um, there was one time that that we had an opportunity on a punt, and they called blocking in the back on uh, on on uh, Sean Burgess. And they really could have called it on Tony Brown as well uh, when you go back and look at it. Both of them side-by-side side, uh, made uh, blocks in the back there, man. That was that was a costly penalty that 
that cost us some key field position from a special team standpoint? You know, we just got a lot of bad penalties. And, you know, I had I had one of our listeners tweet uh, tweet at me uh, or tweeted, you know, tweeted us during the game right after Cyrus got his uh, penalty, uh, you know, it's face guarding. I think actually he made contact, but, you know, he said, oh, not turning to the ball. The podcast crew is going to talk about that. And so, you know, it's kind of funny. We just had quite a number of penalties. And, you know, Saban was kind of, you know, clearly frustrated in, in his presser about, uh, you know, at this point in the season, we should not be having these kinds of turnovers. We've got to we've got to do better. And if it's, you know, if it's turning to the ball or just not running into the receiver before the ball gets there, you know, the blocking on punt return can be, a, you know, it can be a little tricky, but, you know, if you can't see the number, don't hit it. And I know that's, I know that's hard because <laughs> even no. on the punt return that went for a touchdown, there, there was a block that could have been considered yes. a block. Yes. Back. And so yes. you think, you think it's, I should go ahead and do it because it may, maybe won't be seen. And, you know, eh, you probably really shouldn't. Well, um, in that situation, for those two guys to do it, um, well, Cyrus, Cyrus, you know, he had a fair catch, right? So he had a, he had a fair catch on the 45-yard line of ours, but we lose 10 yards, you know, on the penalty, right? And um, it turned out it didn't cost us because Calvin really got his big touchdown, but it, but it could have there. And it just seemed like neither one of them made the effort to get in front of the guy. But I'm, you know, you, you mentioned our, our listener talking about Cyrus, you know, and his pass interference. As soon as he did it, I said, obviously it's pass interference. You don't turn to the ball, they're going to call it. And yep. I didn't bring it up on the defensive side of the ball because I'm just tired <laughs> of talking about it. Because you, no, you've said, well, they must be coaching this, and and the, you know, do you, hang on, do you? And, you disagree with that? Do you disagree that we obviously must be coaching that? Do you think I'm, do you think that's an incorrect statement? I can't okay, Nick Saban is a defensive back guru, right? So obviously we must be teaching it, but I must not know shit about football then because I don't know why we're teaching it. Because it's pretty common sense that if you are in their face and you are you are impeding them to put their hands up to catch the ball, it's going to be called by every freaking referee in the United States of America. So if I ever get to ask him a one-on-one -on -one question instead of the dumb questions that the media ask him on Mondays, mm -hmm. I'll ask him that question. I'll say, can you bring Mel into the room real quick? I'd like to ask y'all this question together. And I will ask him, and then he will cuss at me, and he will never invite me back to a press conference, but I will at least get my question answered. I'm going to make it my mission to somehow get, like, an inside-the-beltway answer on that one. I don't I, know how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to spend got to find, We have got to find out. We have got I'm going to chase that this offseason. We have got to find that out because I do not understand why it's being done, and they're going to call it every time. All right, so that's that's my that's going to be my off season homework assignment. All right, but, so let's talk, let's let's talk about this um, let's talk about this next opponent here, man. What do what yes. do you think about this next game coming up? Charleston Southern. I think this is an opportunity to um, look, and I don't want to be rude about it. I I think that this is just one of those games that we've got to fill out our roster, and we play an eight game SEC schedule. We 
we're not afraid to to go play a big highlight game against a team like a Wisconsin. And so we've got to uh, an SEC championship uh, game that we potentially play. And so, you know, you take eight, nine, we're going to play 10 games that, um, you know, uh, 10 games on our schedule that some teams don't play more than one or two teams that, that you know, right. would crack that list. Right. So the fact that we're going to play, you know, trucking you doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me in the way that some people get all worked up about it because they're picking a point on a schedule to, to, to have, you know, a headline or clickbait around, but they're not using intelligence and logic and piecing together a larger puzzle. They just, oh, don't, well, understand the, they just don't understand the game in a way that, and, and they, and apparently, you know, the conference that they sort of endorse isn't as strong to, to kind of where they get, they get the need for this. Right. And so, so that's fine. And I'm fine with that. And so we're going to play this team and we're going to treat them with, with great respect and, and, uh, and their fans, but this is a team where, you know, the old cliche about picking your score, that's kind of what we're going to be able to do. I hope that we get the starters in there for a couple of series. I hope almost like treat it like an NFL preseason game, right? Where we're going to go out and play the first quarter with our starters and then start to rotate some of the guys in. Should the offensive line play a little bit more uh, so that um, the timing with the backup running backs? Yes, absolutely. So they can get some some cohesiveness, you know, as a unit. Do they probably need it? Yeah, that's fine. If we can get them out at halftime, then I'm fine with I'm fine with that. And then rotate in some of uh, some of the younger guys uh, in, in the backfield uh, and, you know, and across the front as well. I'd, I'd like to see us um, – I'd like to really see us not wasting anybody's red shirt. I mean, hell, we better see some Adonis Thomas uh, as far as that goes. But without, <laughs> without burning anybody's red shirt, uh, we should play everyone that, you know, everyone that is ready to play. Well, if it's any consolation, six hours ago, Florida State added Charleston Southern to their 2016 schedule. There you go. No, man. I I, I really hope that um, – who was the opponent that we played when we brought Callaway over from defense to run because Drake was in the doghouse? Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. I can't think of the name. Of I got name. you on that one. This better be that kind of game. That's why I said I don't want to see Derrick Henry. This is where I wish I could be the coach because I would start the game with the second string offense. I would say it is up to you to win the game. I wouldn't even start the starters. Yeah, that, I hear what you're saying. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Was it North Texas? I think so, but uh, you know, I'll have to go back and check that. But no, I just I just I you know, I'm glad that we play this game before we play Auburn because Auburn does it for the same reason. So last so last year we played Western Carolina. It was our homecoming game. You know, we won forty eight to fourteen. It could have been uglier. You know, what do you see this score as? You know, throw something on the dartboard for me here. Yeah, you know, it'll be something similar to that. If it's if it's you know, if it's 48 to seven or 48 to six or 48 to 13, or, you know, that's kind of all the same score, uh, you know, in, in a game like this, I, we might intentionally, you know, kind of pull in and not try to get over 50. Uh, Cause I, I just don't think, you know, 
it wouldn't do us any good. And I don't think we want to embarrass anybody. And unless someone, you know, breaks a long run in the fourth quarter and Saban gets hopping mad, which I would love to see just because to me, that's one of the funniest things, you know, that he does. Um, you know, I don't think we get, I don't think we cross 50, but we get right up to it. Well, it's funny you just said that with the get right up to it, because I got a little funny trivia for you. So 2012, real quick for the listeners, we played Western Carolina. Guess what the final score was? What was that, like 49 to 3? 49 to 0. Okay. So that's about as close as you can get to 50, right? Yeah. 2013, we played Chattanooga. Final score, 49 to 0. Hilarious, I think. Yeah. 2014, we score 48. So to your comment, the last three years, we've scored 49, 49, and 48. All right. So I'm comfortable calling the final score 48 to 3. We, we, we put a, a, a 40-something on an Auburn in there, too, once, didn't we? Yeah, what do, you, uh, what, what do you give the score in this one? You know, right at what we're saying. You know, I think, you know, if you go 49, because that's just seven touchdowns, um, you know, if you want to go 49 to 3, 49, 10, something in that range. Okay. Well, man, I just want to, as you and I would say in this ball game, we just want to get out with any injuries. And uh, and and get some guys some rest, you know, Eddie Jackson type of guys. They don't need to play a lot, right? You know. Yep. Just give them a little I, bit of run, a little bit of run, some game action, but just get them out of there. I'd like to. I'd like to see Brandon. You know, Brandon Green get a little extra run here in this ball game. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man. Why well, I've enjoyed it. Absolutely. This has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.